that have taken God out of every possible public marketplace now, now cite scripture. It's a blasphemy, frankly. It's a blasphemy. They cite scripture instead of going back to the heart of the problem. Sin. It's sin. This is an evil world. This is what happens when you pull the plug on God. When you take God out of any place, this is what happens. It's a vacuum. Satan fills the vacuum in every possible way. I want you to remember something. Sure, now I, my heart's broken. My heart is broken for these parents. Do you imagine what it's like? What it's like to have lost these kids? These Christmas gifts that are probably already bought and wrapped? Do you know how your heart, I mean, my heart is broken when I think about it. We have to pray so much that God touches their hearts, that puts a salve on their heart. But don't blame this on God, really. When you go out in the world and you hear people talk about this, you need to short circuit this. This is not God. This is the personification of evil. Evil. Yes, you can do that. And I want you to remember something. Remember after 9-11, for about five weeks, the churches in America were full. All right? They were full. They're back to empty. Okay? They're back to empty because, because America does not get it. America does not get it. And it's your job to, to teach people. Your job to, to preach the, 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 the lessons to a people. You know, and as I, this just came to me this, really from this morning. And while I was reflecting on it, I, want, I turned to 2 Thessalonians. I don't have any notes prepared. Whatever comes out is from him. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. What happens? What happens when Christians, when God evacuates the scene? What happens when the Holy Spirit, when the plug is pulled? Paul speaks about this in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back. Him back, meaning Satan. Holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness, sin, parenthesis, is already at work. But the one, and underline this in your Bible, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. All right? You want to know why there's evil? When you take Jesus Christ out of the schools. Who do you think comes back into the schools? Who do you think skulks there waiting in the dark to come back? There's your answer right there. There's your answer. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. Yes, at the end of time. Yes, when he comes back. But he's got a lot, Satan's got a lot of work to do in the meantime. And so that's what happens. Just think of it as the Holy Spirit, Christ himself, holding back the evil one, restraining him. And we pull the plug. No, no, no. We don't want to hear it in our schools. We don't want to hear it in our public marketplaces. 
We don't want to hear about God. We want to be politically correct. We want to be able to talk about the fact that we want to be able to have a, a dialogue with everybody. Everybody has something appropriate to say. There's no absolutes. There's only relative truths. We want, to give, we want to give people a chance to be heard. Folks, let me tell you something. If you learn anything from these classes and from this church, from that pulpit, you know one thing. It's black and white. There's no gray in this. There's no gray. You wonder why? You wonder why? Why you see massacre after massacre? Who do you think is running this world? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Yes, God is in control, but God has given him a place to park. And I'm sorry to tell you, the parking zone is here. Okay? Why? I can't tell you. All right? I know this. One day, he's going to be chained up. He's going to be put in a pit. That's where he's going to be. He's going to be destroyed. But right now, he's roaming this world. And so God was not responsible for what happened to these precious children and these adults. Sin is responsible. God has dealt with the problem of sin by allowing his own son to come to this world and die a horrific death so that we might be saved. That's the message that we have to give the world. So here's the deal, folks. Here's what it's about. We either embrace our creator and our God and follow his biblical plan for our lives or we just continue on the same path that we've been on here in this country as if there is no God and we're going to be involved in the most absolute horrific acts of tragedy that are going to be continued day after day after day. God did not cause this madman to break into the school and kill those precious people. It's sin. It's sin. Don't ever lose sight of it. It's sin. And I'm going to tell you something in my own life from my own perspective. What you have to do for your children, for your grandchildren, for your own families, you have to pray. You have to ask God to put a hedge of protection, a wall of protection around, around you. I'm going to tell you something. There wasn't a day, not a day in my life that I left that house growing up and I went to school. It didn't matter whether it was elementary school, middle school, or high school. There wasn't a day that we didn't get on our knees together with my mother with my mother and ask God to protect us. We never left that house without doing that. Do we do that? Do we do that? I have to ask you that right now. Do you do that? You should talk to your children, to your grandchildren. Ask God to put a wall of protection around you. Really, you get in that car and you drive in the car, you know you're taking, who knows what kind of evil happens in the car. I told you two weeks ago, my son's car was totally demolished by his, an 18-wheeler on Route 95 while he's going to, to do a marriage ceremony, all right? Look, you understand, evil is out there. Now you're saying, oh, Brother John, don't say that. Everything is evil. Listen, folks, you have no idea the extent of evil. You have no idea the extent of evil. And we are blithely walking around in this world, blithely walking around ignorant. And you know what? That's exactly what Satan would want. That's right up his alley. Yeah, when you start saying, well, you know, that's just an accident. Bad things happen. That's just a crazy person. Folks, that's exactly what Satan would want you to say. He would want you to say that so that you don't understand what you have to do with your own life, that you have to get on your knees and ask God to wash you and protect you with his blood. Yes. 
Yes. And why do you think that is, Mary Lee? Why is it that the friends, all these so-called experts who want God out, who don't believe in God, but the first moment that there's a tragedy, what do they say? Oh, did your God let this happen? You don't think that's Satan? Let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you something. My, my heart is broken, broken. I can't even watch television. I turned it off. I can't even watch it. It hurts me so badly. When I see the pain that goes out there, you, how can you be a Christian? How can you be a Christian and not be affected? But we got to pray for them. We got to raise them up, you know? And so here's the point. I want you to get this straight because you're going to hear it. God is a God of love, but we cannot continue to ignore him all the time. We cannot begin to take him out of our lives in every way, to take him out of the schools, to take him out of the schools and then wonder why violence takes place. Here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal. The law of the harvest still exists. And we, as created people, will most certainly reap what we sow. Amen? Don't forget it. We reap what we sow. So if, in fact, we sow a spirit of godlessness, a spirit of the world, a spirit of accommodation, that everything is in the gray zone, that everything's got to be politically correct, then this is what we sow. And my prayer is that when you people go out of this class and you go out to the culture, that when somebody says to you, how could God do this, you have your answer. Amen? Yes. Well, I think, honestly, I, I think that if, if we begin to, as a people, as a people, uh, advancing this cause in our own midst, saying amongst our own people, this is what we want. We have people in this class, uh, Al, who has got that, that group going, a good news group in Collier County and now I think in Lee County, where they go into the schools and they teach the kids gospel stories. This is a start. This is what we need to do. That kind of group needs to be supported, and we do that. Yes, Ed? Same thing with the Alliance Defending Yes, and exactly. And the Alliance Defense Fund, uh, who, who uh, puts themselves in a position where they go out and defend people that, that uh, raise, raise the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can tell you, in the early class, I have uh, Terry Walters, who who's teaches AP history in uh, Naples High School. And he does a segment every year when he's, when he's on uh, the Reformation every year in that school where he talks about the plan of salvation in a historical context. But he, he's allowed to do it. That's the kind of men you want to have where Christians like us get into positions where we can, in fact, speak like that and talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You need to speak like this with your friends. You need to talk like this with your friends. Instead of saying, oh, I don't really, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to offend them. Let me tell you something, folks. It's time to offend. Amen. Yes. And I plan to pray right now, as a matter of fact, which I did at the early class as a result of, of this, because God has really put this on my heart. 
Yes, and we need to pray for revival. So let's pray right now, right now. Lord Jesus, our hearts are broken, Lord. We look at this carnage when we see these young babies torn apart by bullets, Lord, families destroyed. Our hearts are broken, Lord. And we see the world lay the blame at your feet. Why did you do this, Lord? We know you didn't do this, God. We beg forgiveness on the part of the world for the evil one. We beg forgiveness for the fact that this world does not accept you, Lord. And so what we ask, first of all, is that you touch the hearts of the people that have been hurt, that you put a spirit of, of calmness over them, Lord, and a spirit of understanding to let them know that no matter what happens in this world, that we as Christians will someday see you, whether we live to be 100 years old or not, that this is just a speck of time. And as we see this evil and witness this evil, Lord, that we know that you still are the creator of all of us, the Alpha and the Omega. And so we ask you, God, to bring sense of this in some way to the people who have suffered. And Lord, also we ask you that you touch the leaders of this country, Lord, so that they understand this is not about legislation. This is not about legislation, but it's about you, that we have to go back to you and repent. If my people repent of their ways, Lord, how many times do we have to hear this message? How many more senseless deaths do we have to have? Lord, I ask you that you touch our country, that they become understanding of what they need to do and how they need to live their lives. And Lord, this leadership, please touch our leaders so that they begin to understand. They put the arrogance aside and humble themselves, Lord. We pray this as a people. And now, Lord, also I pray for this class, these people in our church that we know what our role is, God. We know what our role is, we, that we want to be like the first century church, that when it saw Nero crucifying Christians and lighting their corpses on, on the crosses so that the streets would be lit by their burning bodies, that they did not turn in terror and run, but instead, under the power of the Holy Spirit, knew what their call was, that we have to go out in the world and change the culture. Lord, give us the strength, the grace to go out in this world and change this world one soul at a time. Don't give us the courage, God, to give up this political correct nonsense. Instead, to stand tall with the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you that you strengthen each and every one of our dear people so that this is our call. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I need five minutes of oxygen. All right. The Lord's Prayer. Yes, brother. Yes. Amen. That's right. There is only absolute truth. Yes, Dorothy. Right. The in 
Yeah, and, and it's well said. That's exactly right. And we have we have effectively seen the entire creation fall because of sin, and we did it. All right, we did it. All right. Don't give me the devil made me do it, all right? The Flip Wilson routine. No, we willingly embraced him, listened to him, encouraged him, and then fell for it, all right? Swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And this is the result. We are a fallen race. The entire, as St. Paul says, the entire creation groans. Groans. You can't think of any other better way of describing it groaning creation of itself that includes the entire weather system when you think about it and it's just amazing that's right well I, I i wanted this was on my mind because i felt that when we come up about these current events that are going to come up and you're going to come across family friends you're going to be in your golf club you're going to be at a restaurant somebody knows you go to church you got a big target on you you know, and uh, just like uh, Edward G. Robinson said to Moses in the. <laughs> yeah, Moses, where's your God now? Remember? Remember that scene? Remember what happened to him about five minutes later? The ground opened up and swallowed him. All right? Just tell your friends that one. Yes. That's it. Yeah, please. Yes, it's okay. It's appropriate. Jesus said, when the little lamb is lost, leave the herd and go get the little last lost lamb. I was thinking yesterday when that one bus broke down, I went to the driver and I said, let's go get him. All right, that's a, that's a good application. The only problem is... I'm going to tell you why we didn't go, because I said to the driver, since I was in bus number one, well, I, I said to him, why don't we go back? I don't want you to know that I said this. Let's go back and pick them up. And he said, it's against the law. I'll be arrested. I have to have a seat for every single person. Well, who cares All right, well, that's good, Ann. I would say that's good. You're getting ready for the end times because that may, that may be appropriate. Well, I would just say this, you know, and, I, and we, have to, we still are in this world, right? We're under authority in this world, so we do. All right, all right, well, that's good because when you get arrested, you ask Carol to come and defend you because... And I know, Harold, he'll come. He'll come. But I just, I want to get back to Matt. I want to get back to this, at least to get started with this topic. Thy kingdom come. Look, we talked about, we're in the Lord's Prayer. We're in the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is telling you about the Lord's Prayer. And, and you know, we did the beginning part. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you now understand how profound that is, what it took to, for Jesus to be able to say that, how he had to die on the cross so you had that relationship to be able to say that. And what it means, hallowed be thy name. How holy is God. 
and it's appropriate to our discussion right now. How holy is God that we've repudiated him? How holy is God? And you understand that, and we did that over the last three weeks. And now, now we're at, at verse 10. We're at verse 10 where Jesus now says, uh, you're our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, or thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to focus now this week and next week as I begin to continue to unpeel this onion, to focus on thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, an understanding of what Jesus meant there when he said, thy kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom? What did Jesus understand it to be when he said, thy kingdom? And what you're going to hear over the next two weeks is that the kingdom of God is multi-level. It is operating on a number of levels. First of all, when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, the kingdom of God walked the earth with Jesus Christ. Jesus represented the kingdom of God as he walked on earth at that time. But, but as Christians, as regenerated Christians who have received the Holy Spirit, who have been confirmed by the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within us. Within us. All right? As we hear, the kingdom of God is within us. And now, so it's, it's several levels. The kingdom of God, when Jesus also prayed that, thy kingdom come, Jesus was also recognizing that the kingdom of God was in heaven was in heaven and oversaw by God himself. And so Jesus was speaking of the kingdom of God in heaven. Thy kingdom come. It also means that one day the kingdom of God will be operational on this world. Amen? We know. Yes, you can clap for that. That's something to clap for. I agree. The kingdom of God will be here because when Jesus returns, when he comes back, the kingdom of God, the new Jerusalem, will be set up in this world. It will be presided over by Jesus. He will rule on this earth in the kingdom of God. And so what we see here is the kingdom of God in multi-levels, multi-dimensions. So when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, this is what he's speaking about. A recognition that the kingdoms of this world will fall away. And if you just historically look at Scripture, just the years that the Scripture is being written, this 1,800 years or so in which the Scripture is being written, you see that there were a number of kingdoms of man that had already risen up and fallen away. Egypt, Babylon, Syria, Greece, Rome, all rising up, taking center stage for a few years, in some case 1,000, some case 1,500 years, and, di and dissolving and disappearing. And most probably the United States someday. All right? Most probably the United States, when you see how we're operating as a people and how we're drifting away. And you understand that kingdoms come and go, men rise and fall, but Jesus Christ stands forever. The kingdom of God stands forever. And so we have to understand that through the course of history. And, and so I want to begin to study with you the, one of the operational aspects of the kingdom of God. And we're just going to start it. 
And that's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. 25 to 34. And Jesus is telling you the operational aspects of the kingdom of God. And what I'd like you to do is first turn to verse 33, because we're going to go back. But I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. Verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then everything else that you need, everything else that you require, not necessarily what you want, but what you need and what God sees that you need will be given to you. And so understand what this means. So turn back, please, uh, to verse 25 as we, we, we study what Jesus is referring to. Therefore... I tell you, Matthew 6, 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And this is, Jesus is using those symbols as a metaphor for everything. In other words, every aspect of your life in this world. That includes money, relationships, all right, possessions, everything. What's going to happen tomorrow? Where's your retirement? How's your stock portfolio doing? Lump it all together. Is the tax, or the tax law going to change? Is the capital gains law going to change? How is this going to affect me? Oh, God, I'm worried. I'm worried. Well, here's what Jesus is saying to you. He told it 2,000 years ago. It's even better today. All right? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. This is the operational aspect of the kingdom of God. When you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, when he comes in, the kingdom of God is inside of you, all right? And so now you understand you don't have to be obsessed with, with worrying about all these details in your life that now encumber the world. I'm not saying you don't have to work. I'm not saying you sit on your couch and just wait for the checks to come in. That's not what's saying here, okay? St. Paul says that. You don't work, you don't eat. All right? Don't take one verse out of context and build a theology on that. Don't do that. You get loused up like so many other denominations in this world where they build on, on one verse. Take the whole body of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling you here, he's telling you, don't be obsessed and worry. The kingdom of God is inside of you as, you as you search and you seek him and you look for his righteousness. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Amen? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And here's what happens. We become so obsessed pathologically pathologically, psychologically, with worry that doctors will tell us we get physically ill. Actually, mental worry causes physical illness. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. That's why he's saying to you, the operational aspect of the kingdom of God in you should give you comfort 
that if the kingdom of God is in you, and I'm assuring you right now that as regenerated Christians he is, that he's taking care of you. In verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. And again, clothes is just a metaphor for all of the aspects of living life, the daily cares of life and what it means. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take your pen and underline, O ye of little faith. Then put in the margin, not speaking about me. Not speaking about me. Amen? You'll be tempted. There'll be days. But in general, you've got the big picture. You trust him. The kingdom of God is within you. Let's close in prayer and continue this next week. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you have spoken to our hearts, Lord. You know how much we love these people, and I know how much more you love them, Lord. And so we ask you to put a wall of protection around them, wherever they may go. Lord, be with them this week and bring them back safely so that we can continue to study the word. We ask you also to lift up those members of our class who are continuing involved in the living Christmas tree. Give them the strength to finish strong as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.